Hello and welcome to episode nine of the fourth series of the Rock and Road podcast. This is Leona Graham, a podcast about cars, motorcycles and music. This week, definitely a bit more music related. In fact, it's an 80s special because I have special guest Peter Cox from Go West on the show. And I'm going to give away tickets to the big 80s brunch with organiser of the event, Paul, who's a guest this week as well. Not only that, we'll speak to Emma Franklin from MCN Motorcycle News. I've got Dexter in with some jokes and the latest music news from music-news.com. But first, my special guest. Please welcome Peter Cox. Hi, Peter. How are you? Hi, Leona. I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, really good, thank you. Um, Now, great to see that you've got some new music coming out. You've got a solo album coming out and a new single. Yes, uh, like many other musicians, I spent lockdown writing and fooling around with songs at home and uh, with the help of some friends recording remotely, um, I'm about three quarters of the way through what is going to be my next solo album. And the first single from it is called Too Far Gone and that's out on March the 18th. That's described as an upbeat story of blissful obsession. What's that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, it's uh, the the theme of the song is that uh, uh, the singer uh, is uh, blissfully obsessed with uh, the person with whom he or she is in love, and that's kind of the nature of the song. All right, so we look forward to hearing that, and can we hear that now? Is is it available? Yes. Okay, so you've got uh, your new solo work coming out, and then obviously Go West. They are celebrating 35 years with a Go West box set out in May. Tell us about that. Yes, that's right. Actually, it'll be 37 years by the time the box set comes out, thanks to COVID. But oh. uh, yes, it's uh, it was originally planned as a 35th anniversary celebration. It's around the uh, the first Go West album uh, that had We Close Our Eyes and Call Me on it, if you know those songs. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice retrospective thing with a lot of previously unreleased material, demos and early versions of songs that people might be familiar with uh, from the versions that eventually made the album. Uh, There's a film of our first uh, live performance, which was uh, in Japan uh, on tour with Culture Club and the Associates and the Style Council. Richard's Baptism of Fire, from doing nothing to playing in front of several thousand very excited Japanese Culture Club fans, which is... uh, (laughs) It's an interesting thing. So yeah, it's a really nice package. There's a lot of photographs that you that fans won't have seen before. And Richard and I have done a little bit of a track listing uh, memoir of what we individually remember about how the songs came to be and how they were recorded and various stuff that fans might be interested in. I love that. Love all the detail that you've gone to with that. And then, there, of course, there's a tour to support all this with an orchestra. Now, why with an orchestra? Yes, that's a good question. That's exactly what I asked <laughs> when it was first mooted. Oh, it wasn't your uh, idea then. And, uh, but it, was, it wasn't my personal idea, no. But uh, uh, we share management with um, ABC and with Tony Haddy from Spandau Ballet. And uh, both of those artists have had successful outings with orchestras. Obviously, with ABC, given that the lexicon of love was largely orchestral um to for martin to go out uh, with an orchestra was a no-brainer but for me uh, it was a little more difficult to imagine how go west would sound with an orchestra because our sound was so much more synthesized and there certainly weren't any live strings on haven't been any live strings actually on any of our recordings to date so it was difficult to imagine in the first place but 
in the last few weeks, we have been working with a guy called Rob Taggart, who's been doing the orchestral arrangements for us, again, remotely, sending us synthesised demos of his arrangements so that we can be involved and make comments and adjust uh, to have that little bit of creative control. And I have to say that the arrangements are sounding fantastic and I'm much more looking forward, let's say, to these four orchestral shows um, than I was when the idea was first mooted. And I was thinking, well, how is We Close Our Eyes going to sound with, with, with an orchestra? But now I have, you know, good demos. I can, I can envisage it. And certainly some of the less familiar songs, which have more space in them and more scope for Rob to do his thing, are sounding really great. Uh, so, yeah, um, we're looking forward to it. That's actually quite soon. So you haven't rehearsed with the orchestra yet? Yes, well, you're not the first person to have asked that. And the, the reality of it is that orchestras are extremely expensive and surprisingly, they're also quite busy. So um, the way that it typically works, my understanding is with an orchestra, is that uh, uh, the arrangements will be scored when they are agreed and then uh, the various players um, get together on, on a day and that's when they see what they're going to play for the first time. So we will have a rehearsal with the orchestra, but um, orchestral players, and again, I'm, I'm as much of a, of a layman as anybody else on this subject, but my understanding is um, orchestral players, obviously they play the score that's in front of them on the paper. Uh, so it's not as much of an interactive kind of uh situation as it might be with an electric band for example yeah. uh the players play the dots on the paper and uh yes it's it'll be <laughs> you can't <laughs> go off some wild on stage, tangent then you've got to stick to it uh, well that's what that's how those players operate that is my understanding if i'm if i'm insulting any orchestral players out there i apologize wholeheartedly but uh, <laughs> it'll be it'll be as much of a, of a new experience for us when the audience are hearing it for the first time as well. So, yes. That's incredible. Well, that takes place from March the 16th to the 20th. And then you've got various uh, venues lined up over the summer, different festivals and things. So it does look really busy and exciting. Um, are you looking forward to getting back out on the road? Well, we have... Um... We have played some shows. We did some summer festivals towards the end of last year, and uh, that was a quite an unusual experience, uh, walking out on stage and seeing thousands of people and not a mask in sight for the first time, uh, which only really reinforced the, the, the idea that people were so ready to get back to having that experience and hearing live music and being together and celebrating in that way. And I should say also that uh, uh, after our orchestral dates, we are on the road with Paul Young on a co-headlining tour in May. We're playing about a dozen shows up and down the country. Uh, so that's going to be fun as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. Some live dates with Paul Young starting on the 14th of May in Gateshead, then we're off to York, Liverpool, Hastings and all around the country, concluding in Glasgow on the 31st of May. Now, sticking with Go West, I want to know what is your favourite Go West song? Um, well, I've told this story a few times, so forgive me if you've heard it before, but uh, we tried for a long time to get a record deal um, and the, the answer that we typically were getting from labels was we love what you're doing but we don't hear a single so Richard and I then wrote a song called call me which we which was an attempt to write something which we thought uh, would be deemed commercial by the labels and indeed that was the song that got us through the door 
and then for reasons that escaped me, the label didn't want Call Me to get lost in the shuffle as a first release by a new band, so they invited Richard and myself to choose our debut single, and we chose to be Close Our Eyes, and it was the most successful single from that album. So ah. I've got a soft spot for that song. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, I have that one. I was one of the people that bought it in the 80s, and I've still got it on vinyl. Thank you very much. <laughs> much appreciated. <laughs> OK, so that's um, the single. What about uh, the videos? Because you did some iconic videos back then. Any favourites from them? Yeah, that's a good question. I suppose uh, I... I... I would say that the video for the King of Wishful Thinking was a was a slightly more enjoyable experience. Um, videos were really hard. It's a long day, and it's it can be really hard work. And especially uh, when we did, for example, the video for We Close Our Eyes, which was our first pop promo with Godney and Cream as the directors. Um, they were very smart. They obviously they knew that neither Richard nor I had any performance experience, not in front of a camera. And of course, I had all the attendant nerves and adrenaline of, oh dear, I'm doing this and it's got to be good. And I, what 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 am I going to do? And they they were pretty fierce in their in their direction and control of what we were doing. But it worked out okay. Um, but I would say that if, if you're asking me about a favourite, um, and I'm also thinking now we shot a video for the song Faithful um, in America, which was, uh, you know, largely a performance video, nothing really arty about it. But I like the way that looks and I'm slightly more comfortable with the, with the way I look in that video. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to say Faithful. Yeah. Okay. Now, obviously, um, a lot of these songs were massive in the 80s um, and uh, I'm on a radio session called Absolute 80s. What was the best thing about the 80s for you? I mean, what are your, your good memories of that decade? Uh, well, earning some money uh, for yeah. the, in the first place, because as we all know, the industry has changed dramatically now. And those were the days when artists actually sold physical product. Um, we had a fantastic band. My my dear um, friend Alan Murphy was playing guitar with us, and sadly no longer with us, and much missed. Um, and uh, of course, 1985 was a whirlwind of travel. Um, I went to Japan. Um, I went to America, uh, not quite for the first time to America, but we spent a good bit of 1985 in America, actually, because, of course, in at that time, um, if you got anything away as an artist anywhere in the world, the biggest record market was America. And of course, your label would then ship you off in the hope of breaking into that market. So I spent quite a lot of time in America. And the, tra the travel and, and seeing these countries uh, that I hadn't ever really thought about or dreamed that I would was really quite something. What do you think of the decade as a whole? You know, what do you think was special about the 80s? I think uh, the music of that time didn't seem to be as as dumbed down as I personally experience it now. Um, but I think that the, the the music and the songs were melodic, and there was a positive spirit about things. I think that. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why audiences still want to hear it. And as a as a presenter on an 80s station, I, I'm sure you'll agree and be as glad as I am <laughs> that, the, that the 80s revival has continued longer than the 80s actually were. <laughs> that is so true. Um, actually, coming on to modern music, what are you listening to currently? Um, 
Uh, I particularly am a fan of Donna Missile, who is a female artist from Jersey. Um, if you haven't heard of her, I would say check her out. She, her last studio album was called Lighter. And um, yeah, I'm passionate enough that we as Go West are playing one of her songs as a cover in our live show. Mm -hmm. But she's just a singer, uh, and there are many, um, that can do anything. You know, she's not uh, she's not restricted to any one particular style. OK, we will certainly look her up. Now, in the meantime, going back to when you were a new artist, you won the Best New Artist Brit Award, Best New Band, in 1986. Who out of the pair of you has the actual award? We each have one. If you, if I wish, I, I wish we were. I wish the listeners could see the um, the article in question because it isn't quite as grand as the ones I see now <laughs> at the Brits. Um, they look a bit, a bit as if they were made out of Meccano um, and stuck together with glue. But we each have one. Um, yes, it's uh, it's uh, it's in the bedroom on the mantelpiece. <laughs> My one trophy of the, over the years. How many instruments can you play? Because you look very comfortable behind the drums in King of Wishful Thinking video. Oh, drummers everywhere will be laughing up their sleeve. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm a jack of all trades, very definitely, and master of absolutely none. Um, I did start uh, 150 years ago thinking that I would be a drummer. Um, but uh, after a very short period of trying to do that, I realised that if I were ever going to be even remotely good, I would have to put in a lot of practice, and that's never been my <laughs> that's never been my forte. So I gravitated to the path of least resistance because I'd been singing in choirs, preschool, and and then on. Um, I spent a couple of years uh, at the Chapel Royal at Hampton Court Palace as a boy soprano before my voice broke. So I'd been singing, you know, for a really really long time and that kind of came much more naturally to me than anything where I would have to discipline myself to practice so I, I can sort of play a bit of guitar I have an embarrassingly large collection of guitars for someone who is such an ordinary player <laughs> but um, I use guitar and keyboards as tools to write um, yeah. I've got a good ear good good ear for pitch um, but uh, where even when we were making the first Go West album, uh, we were lucky enough to work with such incredible players, fantastic players, and uh, it quickly became apparent that it was much more fun to have Alan Murphy uh, play a solo over a song that Richard and I had written and do it in such an exciting way uh, in 10 minutes, whereas it would have taken me... You know, days and days and days of cheating and fixing and dropping in and all the rest of it, even to get something halfway listenable. So, yeah, um, yeah. The, 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 the opportunity to play with fantastic players has meant that I've been quite lazy about my instrumental uh, practice and abilities. So, as I say, I use the instruments to write, really. When you're in a car, what sort of music do you listen to? Yeah, um, I I would listen to uh, Donna Missile, for example, because she's my contemporary choice. Um, I've got the Adele album in the car because, you know, you would definitely listen to contemporary artists who are hugely successful. But I can't um, I can't let this question go by without mentioning Steely Dan as unfashionable as that might be. This still one of my favourite artists. I love Donald Fagan's twisted sense of humor and i love what he does lyrically in songs and those records just they, they sound fantastic to me 
Um, yeah, some of their like songs are quite groovy and funky, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think instrumentally, the albums are fantastically well recorded. Which album would you recommend by them? Because I haven't featured them on my album of the week over on Absolute Classic Rock. And I'm just thinking, which album would you recommend? Well, that's tough to pick a favourite out of that records that I love so much. But I guess I would say something from Asia, maybe. Um, but uh, I also have loved and particularly... When lockdown started and I was exercising, working out at home, I would do so to uh, Donald Fagan's solo albums, Sunken Condos, Morph the Cat. Um, those albums are also fantastic. And arguably, there's a lot of what you would expect from Steely Dan on those solo albums. OK, fantastic. All right. Now, just to recap then, so you've got your live orchestra tour in March. Then in April, you're off to Bogner and a couple of other places. But then in May, that's your big tour with Paul Young as well. And all of these details can be found on your website. And of course, the solo single is out now, Too Far Gone. That's right. You've got um, it all in a nutshell. Lovely to have you with us today, Peter. And good luck for the tour and the forthcoming solo album. Thank you very much, Leona. Really appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, Paul, from the Big 80s Branch. Hi, Paul. Hey, hi. Thank you for having me, Leona. Oh, you're welcome. Now, tell everyone that's listening, what is the Big 80s Branch? The Big 80s Branch, ladies and gentlemen, is a time-travelling experience where we will be taking you back to the best decade ever, which was 1979 all the way to 1989. I'm telling you now, you are going to experience not only the music, but the vibes and the energy and the ambience and just that aura that we had back in the days of the 80s. Are you a big fan of the 80s? Because you mentioned that it's the best decade and I saw you hosting one of the other big 80s brunches. But do you personally love the 80s and why? Oh, Leona, it was without a shadow of a doubt where everything came from, where fashion came from, where music inspiration came from, where big hair and attitude came from. It was an era where you had different sections of every corner of the globe coming together as one uh, through music, through fashion, through film. I mean, everything now is referencing the 80s, whether it's fashion recycled, whether it's music sampled, um, absolutely everything. We had the new romantics, the hip hoppers, the rockers, the poppers, all in one decade. Who, who can beat that? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on this, obviously. And actually, at uh, Absolute Radio, we're doing a what is the best decade survey at the moment. So I think we know uh -huh. what you're going to be voting for, Paul. Um, you already know. But if you came to the Big 80s brunch, what can people expect? And what time does it start and finish and when? Tell us all about it. So... If you love the 80s, if you love anything inspired by the 80s, whether it's fashion, film or people, please, and music especially, come down to the 80s brunch, the big 80s brunch. It's on Sunday, the 10th of April from midday until 5 p.m. We are going to have music inspired by the 80s from the 80s. We're going to have fashion. You're going to be fed a two course meal. We're going to have a Milli Vanilli lip sync battle where you can lip sync any of the 80s hits that you want. We're going to have an 80s fashion show we're going to show off the outfits from the best decade ever and then we're going to have a break dance off where we're going to battle two sides of the rooms versus the other in a friendly competitive dance off to all the break dancing hits we're going to have new romantics the poppers the rockers and the hip hoppers all in one fun filled afternoon 
And we're going to have special guest DJ Leona Graham. <laughs> mm, I wonder who that is. Uh, yeah, mm. so I'm going to be on at about two o'clock, aren't I? And I'm going to play an hour of, of just 80s hits and just join in the That's fun, right. really. It's so, going to be amazing. So you're going to give away some tickets. I believe, have you got two pairs to give away? Yes, so I've got two pairs of tickets to give away. Bring yourself, your partner, yourself and a friend, whoever that loves the 80s. And all I ask is a simple question. I need you to name me three Tom Hanks movies from the 80s. Simple as that. Oh, okay. Three Tom Hanks films from the 80s. We're talking 1980 all the way to 1989. Just three. Okay. So, so how do you enter that? Is it best to go on the socials? Hit up the socials. The first person to either DM us put it in the comments or hit us up on our Facebook page, The Big 80s Brunch. All you've got to do is comment on any particular post that you see and we're going to pick them at random and then send them two pairs of tickets to The Big 80s Brunch, Sunday the 10th of April, Proud City, and it's going to be 12pm till 5. You're going to have the best Sunday afternoon ever. Yeah, Proud City is up near Fenchurch Street, isn't it? The nearest tube station is Monument. Right across the road from Fenchurch Street back entrance, and then the winner will be decided on our socials. Make sure you follow the Big Eighties Brunch on Instagram, also the Big Eighties Brunch fan page on Facebook, and we also have a link to all the tickets at thebigeightiesbrunch.com. So make sure you check the tickets out thebigeightiesbrunch.com. So Paul, when does the competition close? The competition will close on Sunday, the 13th of March, midnight. Hurry up and make sure you collect your answers correctly. Paul, just before we go, what is the best car from the 80s? Ooh, it's either got to be a cross between Kit and the DeLorean, but I'm going to have to go for the DeLorean. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm glad you mentioned Kit. I love that programme, Night Rider. I'm going for Night Rider. So there we go. Ooh. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much, Leona. The MCN Minute on the Rock and Road Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Emma Franklin from MCN. Hi, Emma, how are you? I'm really well, Leona, how are you? Good, thank you. Now, before we proceed, I want to ask you, do you like the 80s? I love the 80s. You know, I was born in 81, so just about qualified. But yeah, my mum and dad just exposed me to loads of 80s music and I love everything about it, really. The fashion, the bad fashion, the bad hair and all those amazing sort of like 80s sort of electro pop um great lyrics and yeah love it love it all you love a bit of 80s electro pop yeah right? definitely definitely okay well i'll let you move out of your uh let me move into your comfort zone now and back onto motorbikes and what is going on in the paper this week so this week we've got a sort of a bit of a super naked uh, trip going on uh, because uh, our Michael Neves, who's our chief road tester, has been in sunny Spain and he's been riding the new 2022 Yamaha MT10. Which now, is... can I just interrupt here, right? Now, yeah. a lot of people listening to my podcast aren't necessarily bikers. Please explain, what do you mean by super naked? Okay, so a super <laughs> naked, um, it's basically a, a performance, a sporty performance bike, but it doesn't have a fairing, so it doesn't have a lot of plastics on it. So it'll have minimal sort of bodywork and it'll generally have flat um, handlebars. So it looks sort of quite 
purposeful and it comes from they used to be called street fighters and there was a fashion for these street fighter bikes in the sort of 70s and early 80s where people were crashing sports bikes and then just taking all the crash bodywork off them and turning them from race bikes into sort of like street performance bikes so oh. after a while the manufacturers sort of clocked onto this fashion and um, factory street fighters and super nakeds were born so a yeah history there as well a bit you. of history for you okay all right so back to that then yeah, so uh, Neves has been in Spain. He's been riding the 2022 MT10. So it's been given a bit of a restyle and it's got a bit more power and torque than before. And it's got um, a lot more refined electronics. So yeah, we've got the first, the first test of that in this week's issue. And uh, we've also got our MCN 250 as well, which also contains uh, super nakeds in the form of the Italian um, contingent. So we've got the MV Augusta uh, Brutale 800, the Ducati Street Fighter V2 and also Aprilia's Tuono V4. So yeah, there's something for everyone there. Okay, so the next paper is out Wednesday? Yep, Wednesday, every Wednesday. Okay, we will look forward to it then. Thank you, Emma. Oh, brilliant, thank you. The MCN Minute on the Rock and Road Podcast. Buy the latest issue in store and online at motorcyclenews.com. Hi, Dexter. Hi. Hi, what's been happening? Oh, we did some gardening, we went... Uh, to this uh, grass, uh, what are, what is it called? Garden centre. Gardening centre. <laughs> grass centre. Right. Uh, and then I got some jokes, two jokes. Oh, come on then. Whoever gets them correct, just say it on Twitter. <laughs> Check you, you call, out. What do you call a cow that is in a band? Ooh, I don't know, what do you call a cow that's in a band? A musician. Love it. Okay, what's the next joke? Next joke is not knock. Who's there? Europe. Europe who? No, Europe who. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one's funny. It was always gets you. And I got one more joke for the specials. Um, uh, what do you call a cat that always plays guitar? What do you call a cat that always plays guitar? I don't know. A meow magician. Because a cat... Did you just make that one up? Yeah, I just right, made go that on out. out. Have fun. <laughs> oh, send on Twitter if you get it correct. That one was terrible. Out. The Rock and Road Pod Music News, brought to you by music-news.com. Yes, in music news, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were apparently against the hair metal scene when they started out. They rose up through the Hollywood music scene in the mid-80s and they were focused on the art punk underground and bassist Flea admitted there was a lot of petty BS around at that time. He says, we were definitely against the hair metal scene. We were like, F them, we're the underground art rock, get weird East Street guys. Those guys are just rehashing Aerosmith and Kiss. In retrospect, Flea says, it was all petty BS. A lot of those bands were effing great. Guns N' Roses was a great band. And uh, that is what Red Hot Chili Peppers have got to say now about their attitude back then. Meanwhile, their 12th studio album, Unlimited Love, is being released on April the 1st. Also in music news, the Rolling Stones are set to announce a new European tour. They're planning to mark their 60th anniversary with a load of concerts this summer, reportedly including a gig at London's Anfield Stadium and two nights in London's Hyde Park. Uh, full details to be confirmed about that on 14th of March. So I'll keep you posted whether that will happen or not. 
couple of albums that have just come out, Marillion, An Hour Before It's Dark, and the Stereophonics, Ucha, worth having a listen to. Out from next week, or later on this week, 9th of March, Brian Adams' So Happy It Hurts, and Feeder are back with a new album called Torpedo. And judging by the first single from it, it's going to be brilliant. So look out for them. Don't forget albums. That is what music is all about. Albums, albums, and more albums. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast this week. I want to find out about electric vehicles for large families. If anybody has an electric vehicle for a large family seven-seater, let me know. I'd love to do an episode on them. Are you thinking of going electric with all the petrol price rises? I'd love to hear from you as well on the socials at Rock and Road Pod. That's it from me this week. Have a look at me on the TV on Saturday. I'm going to be riding a motorbike leading the way for the England rugby team as they head to Twickenham for their match against Ireland. You know when you see that on the TV and you've got a couple of riders out the front who are leading like a convoy and there's people all down the sides of the street? That's going to be me this coming Saturday. And I'm really nervous about it because I've got to go really slowly, something I'm not good at. I'm worried I'm just going to drop the bike or something's going to go wrong. I'm going to embarrass myself. But remember to look out for me. I'll try and wave. Catch you next time on the Rock and Road Pod. 